All roads lead to power. And on this show, we're going to break that idea down a little bit. What is power? Who has it? How do you get it? We'll deconstruct everything from motivation and mental health to anti-racism and addiction. Ultimately, the goal is to give you the tools and strategies that you need to live your most powerful life, being a force for good in the world and impacting the people around you in a positive way. Powerful is brought to you by me, your host, Jeff Kular. I help people change and build incredible teams. Welcome to the show. A realization that power without love is reckless and abusive and that love without power is sentimental and anemic. Because the so-called real world of men and money and power comes merrily along on the fuel of fear and anger and frustration and craving and the worship itself. The really important kind of freedom involves attention and awareness and discipline. If people don't learn power, people don't wake up. If they don't wake up, they get left out. Hello and welcome back to Powerful. My name is Jeff Coulard and I'm thrilled that you're listening today because it's a really important topic that I wanted to cover, a topic that has made all the difference for me in my life when it comes to emotional wellness, stability, relationship, health and wellness, um, and really looking at all the things we do related to coping with stress and distress, everything from you know minor annoying behaviors that we might have all the way up to addiction, which if you're not familiar with my past, my history, I spent about a dozen years working in addiction and mental health with youth and families. And this was actually probably the key learning that I took away from that entire dozen years. Um, if I had to sum it up in one podcast, it would probably be this one. And the title of this podcast is You're Not a Robot. And the essence of this podcast today is really going to be around the idea of control and who has control of our emotions and our behaviors. Is it us or is it somebody else? Is it some other external circumstance like the weather, or our children, or our spouse, or our partner, or our boss, or our employees, or our politicians and leaders, or the economy, or who knows what might impact your day-to-day experience, your emotional health and wellness, and ultimately your behavior, the things that you actually do, the actions that you take, the words that you say. So we're going to take this really big conversation, and we're going to boil it down to a couple of sayings, or a couple of pieces of language that you might find yourself using because they're really instructive. And actually, this highlighted for me the other day when I was having a conversation with a good friend of mine, and he was talking about his daughter, his young daughter, and a conversation that he had had with her um, that went along the lines of, you know, honey, I love you, but when you do this thing, daddy gets angry or daddy gets frustrated. And this is probably a really common thing. You know, I find myself guilty of this. I, I do, the, do it with my kids or with other people or sometimes inside of my head where I think that this other person's behavior, this thing that they're doing, is the cause of my emotional state, right? When my kids don't listen to me, I get angry. And that kind of connection, connecting the dots between somebody else's behavior and your own emotional health and wellness, and then any actions that you might take as a result of that frustration or that anger. There's lots of problems with it. And so let's highlight a few of the problems. Um, The first one, and probably the primary one for us or yourself, is that it outsources your emotional control and ultimately ownership of your behavior to somebody else. You're actually, you're giving control of yourself to somebody else. And, you know, that works if you're a robot, uh, but we're not robots. We don't have buttons that get pushed, right? And so that's a common misunderstanding is that our emotional state is being caused by somebody else. It's not. 
And if you believe that, then you would have what would be called an external or extrinsic locus of control, which means that you're heavily influenced by the actions or inactions of other people or the state of the world around you or any number of things that are seemingly outside of your control, right? And ultimately what this does is it reduces our personal power. It reduces our own agency, our own autonomy, our own ability to make choices about how we're going to respond. And it basically suggests that we can't, we can't respond, we can only react, right? That we're basically just a simple machine that has buttons. And when you push those buttons, things happen, right? In a predictable cause and effect kind of relationship. But of course, we know that's not true. I've got lots of options when my children aren't listening to me. Um, frustration is one of those. And raising my voice to get their attention, that's a choice, right? That's, I have to believe that that's a choice, uh, even if it's pretty instinctual and even if it happens really quickly. It's a response to the context. It's not a reaction, right? And so that's something that I believe is that we're always responding and it's that space between stimulus and response where power lives, right? Where choice lives. And so that's, that's one thing. That's one problem with language around buttons or triggers. We'll often hear about that, especially in addiction, you know, what are your triggers? What triggers you to use drugs or alcohol? Um, it's the same kind of concept is that you have a trigger and you're basically just a loaded gun walking around and somebody else can pull it for you, right? So it gives control or power away to someone else, right? Which if it's a child, right? If I'm giving my emotional control away to my eight-year-old or my five-year-old or even my three-year-old, well, you can start to see the problems and issues that might come up with that. You know, for one, that's a lot of responsibility for somebody who's still learning to manage their own emotions to also have to learn how to manage dad's emotions, right? So it gives us burden of responsibility that's actually unfair and unethical. And when we're calm and rational and thinking about that, like, of course, I've never met a parent who wants their three-year-old to be in charge of their emotions. And yet I see a lot of parents who have outsourced control to their three, five and eight-year-old. And let's face it, I've probably done it myself. I'm sure I've done it. Um, it gives access to power that kids aren't equipped to handle, right? And so that's something to be really aware of. And with that comes the real danger. You know, the thing that I struggle with the most or the thing that I'm most conscious of as a parent is blame and shame. Um, if I give away control of my emotions to my child and they inadvertently pull that trigger, push that button, and I have a reaction and I blame them for it. When you do this, daddy does this or feels this way. Um, well, that quickly leads us down the road of shame. And shame is probably the most destructive psychological force out there. It's a direct cause of anxiety, depression, and addiction. Um, I, I, I firmly believe that addiction is just a shame disorder. If it's a disorder at all, its roots are in shame. And shame comes from having asking yourself the worst question, that you could ever ask yourself, which is what's wrong with me, right? And too much power, too much control for a young child of their parents' emotion and the blame and shame that might go along with that um, is really quite toxic. And so that's something that I'm really, really conscious of as a parent. And of course, I slip up. And of course, I'm sure my kids experience a bit of blame uh, when I'm having a bad day or I'm frustrated at their behavior, um, but it's not their behavior. You see, it's my emotions, right? And it might, we'll talk about this in a little bit about why emotions aren't good or bad, right? We often pathologize them. We often label them as good or bad, um, but they're not, they're not good or bad and they're not safe or unsafe. Um, they're just a flag. Emotions are a flag that says, Hey, I care about something. 
I'm frustrated because I care about something. I have a need that may be going unmet or I have a value. I have something that I, I would prefer to have happen um, or that I think is really important and it's not happening, right? And my frustration is my frustration in the same way that my joy is my joy. I don't want to make my kids responsible for my joy. That's also too much of a burden, right? And so my emotional health, my mental well-being and my behavior, right? I have to be in control of that, right? I can't outsource that. Because if I do outsource that control, if I give it away to anybody, you know, I, I use children because I think that that as a parent, that's a pretty common experience to think and believe and have the experience that your kids' behaviors are directly impacting your mood. And I'm not suggesting that it's not. I'm not suggesting that kids don't have an impact on us or that we don't have an impact on them, but to make them responsible for our choices, for our emotional health. Again, that's outsourcing our power. It's outsourcing control to people that aren't equipped to handle it. And so we shouldn't be surprised if our five-year-olds don't know how to regulate our emotions. They can't regulate their own emotions. Why would we expect them to be able to regulate ours? And yet, that's when we use that language, like when you do this, I feel this way, or when you do this, I do that, I get angry, I get frustrated, I get sad. You know, again, that blame and shame game is really dangerous, I think, long-term, does a lot of long-term psychological damage and has long-term negative consequences uh, around self-worth and identity and all kinds of things, uh, which we can dig into in another podcast if people are interested. Uh, But I think fundamentally what I see happening in relationships is that when we have a a really high external locus of control, when we're the type of person who maybe has evolved in our life to give control and power away to other people, is that it's often accompanied by a sense of resentment over time. And I believe that resentment having you know, work with lots of families and seeing the dynamics of couples and their kids, um, this type of environment often leads to resentment. And I believe that resentment is probably the number one relationship killer, where we're blaming other people for not doing something, for doing something that is we perceive as negative towards us or being inattentive to our, our needs, not meeting our needs in certain ways. And so this outsourcing of emotional control, outsourcing of our own wellness and well-being and choices and actions and behaviors uh, is essentially it's disempowering. And if we find ourselves in relationships where we feel disempowered, or we perceive ourselves as to be disempowered, uh, resentment becomes a pretty natural and logical consequence of that context, of that environment. And so when we talk about personal power, because it can be a slippery thing to really grab onto and understand. I think that locus of control, as it's called in the psychological research, uh, which lives on a spectrum of extrinsic locus of control, which I've talked about, I've highlighted here in this podcast, which is really about outsourcing control of your life to external circumstances, whether those are other people and their behaviors or just circumstances in general, the world at large, the environment you find yourself in versus internal locus of control, which is I'm responsible for everything on the far extreme is that I totally impact my world and I'm not impacted by anything else. And I have full autonomy and control, which I think is probably equally unhelpful for lots of reasons that we'll get into maybe down the road. I think that a healthy dose of intrinsic locus of control or internal, where we know that our emotions are ours and our behaviors and choices are ours as well, um, with the recognition that other people impact us in meaningful ways, whether that's positively or negatively, and but not to blame them or shame them or make them responsible 
for our responses, for how we choose to respond to the stimulus or the context or the behavior that they're offering us in this moment. So to tie up this podcast with a nice little bow, you know, it's a really short one. We're only about 12 minutes in. Um, You're not a robot. You don't have buttons that other people can push that dictate an automatic response. You're not a simple machine. We're a lot more complex than that. And so if you find yourself in that, having that conversation with other people in your life, whether your kids or your partner, or maybe it's just an internal dialogue that you have that is, you know, if this person didn't do this, I wouldn't be forced to do this. That kind of language, I think, is something to just notice and be aware of and decide, is that congruent or incongruent with the kind of personal power, the kind of choice, the kind of autonomy that you want in your life, the ability to respond to life's circumstances and relationships in the way that you want to? Or do you find yourself in this reactive mode? Because I think that it's when we're reactive that we are most at risk for developing some of those unhealthy coping mechanisms for life's stressors, whether that's addiction or whether that's struggling with anxiety or depression. Um, Because life is full of stress. There's lots of stressors in life. And making sure that we take ownership and control of how we respond to those stressors, again, whether there are kids not listening to us in the moment, or whether it's this COVID-19 pandemic, which is uprooting and disrupting a lot of our lives, um, figuring out what we have control over. And ultimately, if we don't have control over our own emotional state, and our own choices in the moment, moment to moment choices of how we choose to respond to life. If we don't have power over that, then I don't think we have power really over anything. So I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Powerful. I'm back next week with a conversation with two dynamite executive directors in the nonprofit sector. We're talking about the power of collaboration and how essential it is to moving services forward for our most vulnerable people in our community. So stay tuned for that episode. I'm really excited about it. And in the meantime, if you found value in today's podcast or any of the podcasts so far, I would love it if you subscribed to the show. And if you drop a rating or a review, it really helps us reach a wider audience and have a bigger impact in the world, which is really what I'm here to do. So thanks again for listening and have a wonderful week.